13 folds. Each fold a reminder of a life spent in service. Service to country, service to people, protecting God-given rights, preserving freedoms. 13 folds. At each fold, we remember the friends and family left behind, the mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, sons and daughters left to pick up the pieces. Thirteen folds. And we remember the scriptures. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Each one loved greatly. We also remember that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And today we pray, God be near those who need comfort. So, draw close to those who mourn. Make your presence and appreciation known. Let this church be a safe place, a comforting place. And let us honor those who have given their lives in service to this country. Thirteen folds to signify a life given to service. Amen. Father, today we thank you for men and women that have paid the ultimate price. Lord, for not only the freedoms that we experience here, but literally for freedoms and rights for those around the world. Lord, they answered a call on their lives and they responded. And Lord, their faithfulness, their obedience to fulfill the tasks that were asked of them, Lord, it cost them their lives. That's what this weekend's all about, Father. We remember the fallen. And Lord, I know that it's really easy for us to get caught up in time off from work and barbecues and pool parties. We can we can lose significance of what Memorial Day is all about. God, I pray that we would pause, not only in this moment, but throughout this weekend, and remember those that gave their lives. Lord, I pray that we as moms and dads grandmas and grandpas, aunts, uncles. Lord, may we instill in our children the significance of this weekend. God, I'm praying that you would be near to families that still grieve and hurt because of the loss of their soldier. 
Lord, I pray that they would experience this peace that you give that passes understanding. And God, that they would know that their loved one's life is not in vain. That it made a difference. It continues to make a difference. But we remember them. Jesus, we want to thank you for the freedom that we can experience through you. Through your life laid down also for us. And may we not forget that sacrifice either. So Lord, this Memorial Day, thank you for being close to the brokenhearted. And let us remember the ultimate sacrifice. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. We can lose sight of it, can't we? And we can take it for granted. To those of you that are family members that have lost someone, thank you. And we want to remember you as well. We're going to continue today in a teaching series that we've entitled Let's Go. It's a series uh, looking at the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an incredible man on so many different levels. Remember, he was a cupbearer living away from the city of Jerusalem. Um, but he had a passion and a burden to rebuild the walls of that great city, Jerusalem, known as the city of God, the, the holy place for Israel, right? And we know that Nehemiah knows the word. We know that he spends enormous amounts of time praying, and we know that, that he becomes burdened for the walls that lay in rubble. We know that Nehemiah begins to hear from the Lord and he receives directives and um, uh, proper papers from the king. We know that Nehemiah travels across the desert to Jerusalem and he begins to survey the, the walls that have been destroyed and, and he begins to communicate a vision. He rallies the troops, you might say. He begins to share with them that, hey, this will no longer be what defines us as this holy nation of God. No, no. He, he begins to share with them that this disgrace must end. And here's the plan. This is what we are going to do. Now, Nehemiah, I believed, believe that if God calls you to something, God will provide for that. In fact, I want you to know something today that if you don't hear another word today, please know this very truth, that God is Jehovah Jireh. And when he sends, he provides. That, that, that needs to resonate in maybe someone's spirit today because you feel like it is hopeless. You may feel like the rain will never end on your life. You may wonder, will the sun ever shine again? I just want you to know Jehovah Jireh is in the house. And when he sins, he provides. For 100 years, the, the children of Israel were living in broken down walls around Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
And Nehemiah shows up on the scene and begins to inspire them to do something about it. You know, it's easy not to deal with the brokenness around us, isn't it? It's easy to point fingers and and accuse others for what's happening. It's harder for someone to step in and actually do something about it. Most people won't. They'll take the easy way out and just pray that, oh, God would just send somebody else to do it. I'm thankful that we have a reminder of a prophet by the name of Nehemiah that stepped into a situation that looked mm, hopeless, and he brought change through the power of his God, Jehovah Jireh, within him. Now, listen, I want to remind you today, we're going to dive into chapter 6. We've been looking over the last few weeks, and last week I kind of shared with you how Nehemiah and his people rebuilt the walls. And we've been saying this from day one in this journey together. Anytime you step out to do something that is of God, you can expect opposition from an enemy. Now listen, the enemy is the enemy. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That enemy is Satan. It's the devil. Human beings are not. Now, the enemy gets on people and they act like the devil, but the enemy is the enemy. Anytime you step out to represent God or anything that he's called you to do, you can expect opposition. Isn't this fun? I mean, sign me up for this Christ life, right? Right? Well, we know that Nehemiah and the people faced opposition. And last week in chapter four, we begin to get a a snapshot of what his his mode of operation for rebuilding the walls. Now, remind, remind you of this. He encouraged the people to build that portion of the wall that represented their front porch, that portion of the wall that was directly in front of their home. Listen, if you were challenged to build something to protect your home, you would probably work hard at it, would you not? You would probably take great pride in it. Some of y'all would be a little bit more bougie than the others. I get it. But that's what Nehemiah challenged. Hey, listen, I don't want you guys to worry about the whole wall. You just take responsibility for what's right in your front yard. And they begin to build. He said, you need to have your tool with you. But Nehemiah also understood, and they begin to experience in chapter 4, that anytime you step out and do something for God, there will be opposition. So not only do you need a hammer, but you better have your weapon nearby as well. So with a hammer in one hand and a weapon in the other, the children of God begin to set out and take on the impossible. And they begin to to build the wall. Let's look in chapter 6, because in chapter 6, the opposition... Well, they've not, they've not gone away. They're still present. They're still giving Nehemiah the business and the people the business. Your walls wouldn't stand if a fox trotted along the top of it. I mean, they're just making it difficult for them. Look what the word of the Lord says beginning in verse 1, chapter 6. Here are the recurring characters that we've seen. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab. And the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that there were no gaps remaining, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. And so Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. This could have been maybe 20 miles distance from where the rebuilding is taking place. 
But Nehemiah says, but I realized that they were plotting to harm me. And so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? So they've mocked and ridiculed in chapter four. But in chapter six, they're amping up. They're trying to distract and keep Nehemiah and the people from rebuilding the wall. So they say, hey, why don't we go to a neutral location and let's meet and discuss this? Let me just encourage you with something. Don't you go into a meeting without hearing from God. The enemy here was trying to lure him away to go to a meeting. Because they knew if they could get him to buy into this meeting that was not of God, they would distract him and pull him off the rebuilding of the wall so the project wouldn't continue. Nehemiah probably thought, hey, listen, if, we, if they can get me away from my sword bearers, my protection, check this out. They can ambush. They can attack. They can kill me. Isn't that what the enemy likes to do? He likes to distract us. In fact, for some of you, the enemy might be trying to call you off of your wall right now. He might be trying to call you into, listen, don't you take that bait that might seal your fate. And he's trying to suck you into something. Maybe that meeting is late night internet usage. Maybe that meeting is where all major decisions take place in the workplace around the water cooler and the talk that's present there. Maybe that meeting is a group of, 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 of middle school or high school students in one portion of, of a lunchroom that are giggling, snickering, and pointing at other people and just devising something. Don't you go to any meeting that God has not called you to be a part of because the enemy can latch onto you and he will wear you out. He can destroy you. <laughs> Nehemiah says, I realized they were plotting to harm me. He sends back this great, I can't come, sorry. My schedule's full. I've got a big project, if you've not noticed, for 100 years. My, my donkey can't even walk around the rubble. It's that bad, guys. What are you talking about? But they don't give up, and neither will the enemy in your life. Look what happens. It goes in verse four. Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. But it was the fifth time. Wow, they're continuing to try to <clears throat> lure him away. The fifth time, though, I sent a reply. Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and, and, and this is what the letter from, from Sanballat's servant said. Quote, there is a rumor. Rumors are healthy, are they not? I, I read something a few weeks back that said that if, if you can't have a conversation about it with someone at the dinner table, you probably shouldn't be talking about it away from the dinner table. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations and Geshem, this is important, listen, Geshem tells me, Geshem tells me it is true uh, that, that, that the Jews... Are, are, are planning to rebel, and that is why you're building the wall. According to his report, his report, Geshem's report, his reports, you plan to be their king. He, he, 
He also reports that that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there's our king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. This servant is sharing what Geshem said and what his reports say and and what he, he was, he, 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 he. It wasn't I have or whatever, right? Listen, when you step out and do things that God has called you to do, you need to rest assured that the enemy will attack you in many ways, but he will also come at you and attack your character. He, he, he will make people begin to believe things about you. He, 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 he's a deceiver. Guys, listen, that's his favorite tactic from the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that if you ate from this tree, you would? And he deceived Adam and Eve, not just Eve. Come on, dudes. We like to point the finger, don't we? But he deceived both man and woman. And he's still deceiving people today with rumors. Listen, I want to encourage you with something. We can learn things from our man, Nehemiah, in this moment right here. You need to stay true to who God has called you to be. Because if you're not careful, you can begin to believe the rumors that people are saying about you. Am I talking to anybody right now? And I also think that we need to understand from Nehemiah that you need to continue to be faithful through what God has called you to do. I'm sorry, guys, I can't come off the wall. I've got a little building project underway. God's called me to do something. And although I would love to eat grapes and eat honey with you, whatever. I don't know whether I would love to do that, but I just can't because I'm kind of tied up right now. You need to remember who God has called you to be and remember what God has called you to do. Do not let the rumor mill stop you from fulfilling the call of God on your life. And let me just remind you of something else. Never let what you hear about somebody change how you view them because you might be hearing it from a hater. Let's just get back into the scripture. Can we do that? Look what it says in verse eight. Nehemiah replies, there is no truth in any part of your story, servant of Sanballat. You are making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, Nehemiah says, imagining that they could discourage us to stop the work. Oh, look what Nehemiah. So I continue to work with even greater determination. Come on, son. This kind of fueled him. This was like some, some gas, you might say, to the fire. It gave them a greater determination to finish the project. Wow. I just got to be honest with you. There, there have been seasons recently in my life where I've not had greater determination to fulfill the project. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've wanted to throw the towel in. It's hard sometimes, is it not? When you face setback after setback, when it seems like everything's crumbling down around you, when it seems like, does anybody really like us right now? Is anybody for us? Everybody seems to be 
against us. The enemy would want you to think those things and he would want you to, don't you throw that towel in the ring, Mick. Remember Rocky? Mick, don't do it. And he, some of you have wanted to throw the towel in on a vision that God has given you. Some of you have wanted to throw the towel in on a relationship that just seems like, ah, oh, it's never going to change. Some of you have wanted to throw the, the towel in on, on, on something that God has placed within you, but yet you've not been given an opportunity or no, no, you've not stepped into the opportunity. <laughs> Quit waiting for someone to give you the opportunity and just start stepping into what God has already placed in you. If you sit around and wait on others, man, you're, you're going to get fat on Pringles watching Sanford and Son. You're not going to get anything done. Nehemiah said, I gave me greater determination. This guy's talking trash, sending me letters, spreading rumors, writing stuff about me, because that's just what Jesus would do, right? He'd write letters and just send it out about people. That's just, now, it gave me greater determination, he says, to finish the project. Well, flip over real quick because time's running out and, and I just, I'm, yeah, I got, I got to stay focused. Only what you want to say right now, Lord. Verse 15, look what it says. It says, they continue to work on the project and on October the 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. Now, let me stop the bus real quick right there. Remember when, when King Artaxerxes let Nehemiah leave to go build the walls in Jerusalem? He said, how long do you think you're going to be, be gone? Nehemiah thought, um, it's maybe about 12 years. <laughs> wow. Okay. But hey, TextDot could learn from this right here. Could this is, <laughs> come on, somebody. We need to photocopy this page. This is page number 158 in my Bible. Let's send it. When is Bucky's coming? I don't know. Another 52 years, it seems like. Amen. I got Christmas shopping to do, man. I got to drive to New Braunfels. Anyway, October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. Talk about a leader that's able to rally people. He cast a vision. He gave them bite-sized projects. Just take care of your front porch, guys. Don't worry about anything. Just, just build your wall. And as a result of us all working together, clan after clan, family unit after family unit, man, we're able to bring something together with the help of God. In fact, look what happens in verse 16 to those enemies. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized that this work had been done with the help of who? See, the wall was built, yes, through human effort. But Nehemiah, if he were here today and bearing witness to this story, he would say, guys, listen, there, we could not have done this without the help of God. Are you with me today? And I love what it says in verse 16, man. The enemies were frightened and humiliated. Look how awesome Nehemiah's God is. Is. Can I tell you something? When you continue to persevere and step into what God has called you to do, those haters are going to be disheartened. They're going to be discouraged because what they meant for evil to try to stop and deter you from following through with God's call in your life, whoo, haters going to hate, 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 right? But I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. I'm going to shake it off. Shake it off. I think it goes like that, Mark. 
You know it. Starbulescu on the front row right there. Golly, the haters, right? I can't even see who said that, but it scares me. They rebuilt this wall. Can I tell you about this wall they rebuilt in 52 days? That's why I think that this would be a great word of encouragement for TextDot. They rebuilt a wall that was two and a half miles long, averaged 39 feet in height, and was eight feet thick. Some churches have a hard time making a decision on the color of fabric on the chairs or how we're going to vote and do things, but these people built a wall, something that seemed impossible. And they built it because of a great leader and a great plan. No, they built it because of a great God that was behind it all. I want to encourage somebody here today because your life doesn't look like this. Your life looks like this today. It's still broken. It's not clean. It's a mess. Maybe you're going through a crisis today. The difficulty you're facing. I I, I use Nehemiah because I want to remind you that what, what seems hopeless, there's always hope when Jehovah Jireh is present. When there's a God who provides for the very needs that we have and is able to accomplish something that seems impossible, he's able to put the pieces back together of our lives. Is he not? In fact, I just really believe that sometimes God can use a crisis in our life to take us to a higher level. And, and, and I, I, I'm not going to be so bold to say that whatever brokenness you're going through, what your crisis is, that it's all a part of God's plan. I just know that God has a plan despite it all. I do know that. And that he's able to take the broken pieces of a person's life, of a person's family, of a person's situation, and he's able to put it back together and make something beautiful of it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this room today? God can use your crisis to bring you to a higher level. Yeah. How long? Nehemiah thought 12 years, but actually it was a 52-day project. God's awesome, is he not? I want to encourage someone listening today, whether in the house or in their house. I just want you to know that regardless of what represents your life the most today, God's not finished with you and he has a plan. And, And some, maybe just somehow, this crisis you're going through right now is maybe a kick in the pants for you to begin to reimagine who you are, your life, your calling, and to step into some new reality that God has for you. That crisis, that setback, might actually be a set up for God to take you to a whole nother level. We say this with our staff all the time, small tweaks take us to higher peaks. And you might be going through a tweak right now. There might be a setback, but I'm telling you, it just might be a set up for God to do something awesome that you can't pull off. Only he would be the one to get the glory for it. This may not, re- this might be your life, might represent who you are. I, 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 it's represented 
man, my life for the last several months and, and, and even in our church, some, it just looks like the walls are crumbling. The walls are falling down. I just know that God is still God and he's still on his throne and he's still calling people to step in to his work, right? So for you, someone today that, that just feels like it's done, I, I just want to encourage you with something. The, the, there was another prophet by the name of Isaiah that would say this in forty three nineteen. He says, I'm about to do something new, God says. See, I've already begun it. And I'm just telling you, there might be something new. Listen, pandemics don't catch God by surprise. Tragedies, setbacks, crises, your struggles do not catch God by surprise. I'm sorry that we all experience that. Hey, listen, we all have that in common. In this world, we all will have trouble. But I just know that God is able to take the broken pieces of it all and make something beautiful from it. Are you with me today? That crisis might just be the very opportunity for you to begin to think differently. Hey, what is the new thing that God has for you? <laughs> I've thought about that a lot is that when it comes to this thing called the church. You know what the seven last words of a dying church are, aren't you? Don't you? Aren't you? Don't you? We've never done it that way before. And I just can't help but think this season that we've been is an opportunity for God to help us reimagine, well, the new thing that Isaiah spoke of. Listen, times demand new, do they not? It's a new day. You're not the same person you were last year, two years, definitely three years ago, were you not? We're different. Our culture's different. And it demands that we change. Hey, what's the new thing God may want to do in your home, in your family? What's a new thing that God may want to do in your career? What about a relationship? What's the new? You see, this crisis in Jerusalem was, was a kick in the pants for the people of God to be willing to step up and understand who Jehovah Jireh truly is. I'm sitting there going, man, when, when can they not figure it out? And he delivered them out of slavery and bondage. He fed them. He, he parts the waters of the Red Sea. What is it going to take for them to truly get it? And it's easy for me to point my fingers at others when I'm like, ah, oh, hello. I should have had a V8, right? Some of y'all don't get that, but some of you do. But time and time again in my life, how has God wanted to use the crisis to make me better? Listen, I want to encourage you with something today. We're going to learn from our man, Nehemiah, that when God puts a burden on your heart, don't try to escape it. What's the new thing that God has for you? What's this crisis that maybe you're experiencing or what's the crisis that he's led you through? And what's the beautiful thing that God has for you? Despite the rubble, that you're currently in. Whatever God calls you to, know that he is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide and he will see you through. Does that make sense to anybody today? I want to invite you to stand with me. Will you do that, please? Ministry team, will you come join the preacher down front this morning and 
I just want to pray over, and I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond today as the Spirit of God leads. For some of you today, maybe that first step that you need to take forward today is that decision to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, to take over, to not only be your Savior, but to be Lord of your life. You see, we like Jesus as Savior. All of us want to be forgiven of our wrongdoings, right? Come on, you don't want to walk around carrying a load of guilt and shame and pain, and we want to be forgiven of all the wrong things. The Bible calls that sin. We want that. We want to be, we want Jesus to be our Savior and forgive us of our sins. If he's my Savior and if he cleanses me of my sins, and that means that, that I have the opportunity to go to heaven one day. We all want heaven because the opposite of heaven is hell and no one wants that. God doesn't want that for your life. God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves there by refusing this free gift of love known as Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. We love Jesus as Savior, but do you love Jesus as Lord? You see, when Jesus is Lord of my life, check this out. That means he's in control. He's El Jefe. He's the boss. He's the man. We struggle with that because we still want to be in the driver's seats, do we not? We still want to call our own shots. We still want to take the bull by the horns. We still, we, 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 we. Listen, for some of you today, maybe that first step you need to take to the front today is simply say, hey, listen, I want Jesus to come in and not only save me, but I'm tired of trying to live life without him and trying to make it happen. It ain't working, bro. I need Jesus to be Lord and take over. I pray that for you today. There's freedom. There's transformation possible. It's possible today, but it depends on what you'll do with it. Jehovah Jireh is here. A God who saves is here you'll just let him come in and take over. Maybe there's a crisis you're going through and, and, and your life is in shambles. It's rubble right now. Again, that's why our friends stand down front every week to pray with and encourage you. You don't have to face this crisis alone. God is with you. His presence is with you. His spirit is present and wants to guide you. But listen, it is good to have some other human beings as well to come alongside, right? To hold our arms up, to pray with us that can give a word of encouragement. Yes, sometimes maybe a kick in our pants. Absolutely, right? But it's good to have somebody that can just encourage us. So today I'm going to pray and we're going to be dismissed. And as people are leaving, maybe you need to come forward and say yes to Jesus. Or let somebody enter in your pain as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a God who is greater than anything. I, I, I love this reminder in Nehemiah that you're, you're greater than anything the enemy tried to throw at your people. You're, 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 you're greater than broken down walls. You're greater than mocking and ridicule. You're, you're greater than rumors. You're, 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 you're greater than, than all of that, God. Because you're awesome and you're great. Nehemiah was able to lead the people to the rebuilding of your city. God, I want to pray that that might be a word of encouragement for someone listening right now. Because they may, may feel like their situation is hopeless. Well, I pray that they would understand in this moment that the hope dealer is present. And Jesus wants to change their situation. May they respond with humility, step out, 
But God, you can change, begin to transform their lives. For the person that's hurting today, lonely, in a crisis, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that they would understand that you're present. It'd be an honor and a joy for us to pray with, encourage them, point them to you because you are the answer. So Jesus, thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you're greater than the enemy. And thank you that with you, all things are possible. It's in that name that we pray today. Amen. Thank you guys. You're dismissed.